welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Cashagro, and joining me in the studio today is Dr. Lee Murray. He is a neurologist at West Tennessee Neuro here in Jackson, Tennessee. Dr. Murray, how's it going? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Today is May 27th. Squeaking this in in May, but May is stroke month, so we wanted to get this one in and uh, talk about it a little bit. Before we do that, help me get to know you a little bit better. What uh, what do you like to do outside of work? Tell me about your family. You have any dogs? Do you like to go fishing or sure whatever? So, I've been here in Jackson for going on eleven years. Originally from Southern Missouri. Okay, um, married to a beautiful, wonderful wife with two kids that really want a dog really bad. But I haven't <laughs> I haven't buckled down to get it for them yet. So nice. uh, time outside of work is definitely taken up with family, which is wonderful. That's amazing. Absolutely. Speaking of dogs, I just got one a week ago, so I'm. Dealing with the whole puppy. You're going to give my son a lot of ideas now. Yeah. So, yes. uh, I will not say anything else about that to not <laughs> give him any more. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, I know you're a neurologist at West Tennessee now, or excuse me, at West Tennessee Neuro. So, if you could, kind of give me a layman term definition of what a neurologist is. Sure. So, a neurologist is a physician that is specialized in diseases and disorders of the nervous system. So that includes brain, spinal cord, peripheral nervous system, as well as muscle. Okay. And so anything to do with the nervous system, disorders of the nervous system, that is what a neurologist would, would take care of. Gotcha. Was that extra schooling on top of medical school? Sure. So you do uh, four years of college, four years of medical school. I did a one-year internal medicine uh, internship and then a three-year neurology residency. And then I did a one-year neuromuscular fellowship wow. even after that. Um, so total of five years of training after after medical school. Okay. You said you've been here for 11 years. Yes, sir. Did you start in Jackson with That's your neurology? That's my first job. That's first my first year. job out of fellowship, yes. Okay. Wow. You've been in it for a while. That's I'm honored that time, you're here. Time, time flies. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so let's talk about the Primary Stroke Center just for a second. Uh, what kind of services do you guys offer? Sure. So the primary stroke center that we have here at, at Jackson General is accredited through a nationwide uh, accreditation. It's called the Joint Commission that accredits hospitals on various different levels for different things. And okay. so in order to get accreditation, you have to meet certain um, high standards for quality of care, uh, accuracy of care, quickness of care. And so we went through this process to become accredited right when I came here. So right about 10, 11 years ago okay. is when we got our accreditation and the stroke program here at Jackson General has just increased exponentially as far as the volume is concerned. Uh, we're one of the busiest uh, stroke hospitals in the entire state of Tennessee, and a lot wow. of people would not really realize that in Jackson, but I had no we idea. actually are. So, I mean, some numbers, um, you know, we, we see about uh, 1,200 acute strokes a year. About 200 of those are, are hemorrhagic strokes, and then about another 200 or so, what we call TIA-type events, is what we typically treat, so a large volume. So 
with the accreditation, we have to constantly get reaccredited. So we have independent auditors that come in and, and look at our numbers, look at our data, and and give us the accreditation that we need okay. uh, to, to 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 again to assure the the community and the folks that we serve around here that we are 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 doing the top notch job. That's awesome. So a second ago, you said uh, two terms that I am unfamiliar with being non clinical. You said acute stroke and TIA. Sure. So acute stroke is is where uh, someone has had a, a stroke-like event. Okay. So they've developed facial weakness, they developed an arm weakness, leg weakness, paralysis uh, within a matter of minutes. And the key thing we are trying to highlight with stroke month and stroke awareness is that people, if they see somebody or they begin having symptoms themselves, uh, to seek care immediately. Mm-hmm. And so with us being a primary stroke center, we have the capabilities of at times reversing stroke damage before the damage actually occurs. And so one of the key things is is that when someone comes with a, an acute or a new onset of weakness or speech changes uh, that they present to the, uh, they actually call 911 mm-hmm. immediately. And then they'll bring them in here to, to the hospital where we can potentially um, administer clot-busting medications. Um, and we will also do a series of scans looking to see if we can actually visualize the clot, the blood clot in the brain. If we can see the blood clot in the brain and the scans look correctly, we have the ability here to have the interventional radiologist actually go in through the groin, put a catheter up into the brain, pull mm-hmm. the clot out, and try to restore blood flow to the brain before it is permanently damaged. But again, for all that to happen, the key thing is to get here early. And the easiest, the best way to do that is usually to call 911. Uh, we have worked uh, great with our EMS fire department folks, not just mm-hmm. in Jackson, but even the surrounding communities to recognize stroke and to get uh, potential stroke patients here to Jackson General as quickly as possible. So that's why we always kind of advocate for folks to call 911. That way that process can begin immediately. Absolutely. If I understood it correctly, essentially a stroke is a blood clot going to the brain? Kind, yeah, there's two different kinds of stroke. So one is a, is a blood clot that is into the brain that is restricting blood flow to a certain area of the brain, Okay. which then causes damage to occur. The second type of stroke is a hemorrhage or a a brain bleed those are managed differently uh, but that is also considered technically a stroke as well and again all those things we manage here um, at jackson general gotcha perfect so what are some signs and symptoms that people should look out for sure so the acronym that we like to use is b fast b e f a s t Mm -hmm. so b is for balance e is for eye movement so if you have difficulty with your vision lose vision in your eye get double vision F is face, so facial droop, okay. uh, any kind of facial asymmetry. A is arm, you can put leg in there too, so arm or leg weakness, arm or leg numbness and tingling, especially on one side. Okay. S is for speech, so if someone all of a sudden cannot get the words out, they're talking gibberish, nonsensical things, words are not making sense, they're not answering questions appropriately, and then the T in the acronym is time. And again, that's what I want to continue to emphasize. The key thing is time. Uh, is Time is brain. And mm-hmm. so the quicker uh, the patient arrives to a certified stroke center like Jack and Jackson General, the more options we have of potentially trying to treat that patient. Gotcha. So do strokes happen more on one side of the brain than others? Or? No, it can happen on either side. Okay. It can happen on either side. So... 
Um, you, you may have a patient who has got speech changes and right-sided weakness, or they may have left-sided weakness. If it happens in the back of the brain, they may have more of a dizziness balance type type problem. So it all depends what part of the brain uh, the stroke is occurring in. Gotcha. So we, we know it's important to call 911 if you think you're having these, these kind of symptoms. Can you tell me exactly why that's better as opposed to a family member driving you? Sure. I mean, I mean, if you're right next to the hospital, yes, don't, you know, just go ahead and bring them on in. But again, right. EMS has been well-trained in recognizing stroke and, and getting them to an appropriate facility that is able to, to, to care for the patient. So at times, there's a lot, a lot of things that EMS can do um, as far as stabilizing the patient as well as some folks who are having a big stroke may need uh, help with, with breathing or things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so EMS can even stabilize a patient who may be having a, a, a significant event in the field, which of course you would not be able to do that um, in your own private vehicle. Sure. So what are some treatments that can be done for a stroke? And earlier you mentioned time, so this is a two-part question. Earlier you mentioned time was one of the more important parts of this. Uh, is there a certain time frame that sure. things happen? So typically, for the most part, um, we need to have a, an idea of onset of symptoms within about four and a half hours. Now, wow. there, okay. are some, um, there are some other criteria that bring it down to three hours. And so that's why whenever a patient comes in with stroke, one of the big things we need to know is when, was the, when, when did this happen? Or if we don't know when it happened, when was the patient last seen normal? So for acute stroke, for a stroke that is actually occurring, we can administer a, a drug called TPA or Activase, which is a clot-busting medication. Okay. But that has to be given within most time a four-and-a-half-hour window. At times three hours, there's certain criteria with, with the differences there. But this is why it's so important to get here quickly. So if you arrive, if a patient arrives to the hospital outside of that window, the, the TPA or the clot-busting medications would not be an option. This is why it's gotcha. so important to get here quickly. What if they don't get there quickly? So what we can do, especially if they, if we think the stroke has happened within the within a twenty four even a twenty four hour window, we will do scans, uh, a special CAT scan called a CT perfusion study, where we'll actually inject dye into the patient and actually get a good look at the arteries in the neck and the head, and we are looking for the actual clot. And then we have special computer programs that can show us if the brain has actually already had the stroke or is at risk of having a stroke. Wow. Okay. If, if it looks as if the area of the brain is at risk of having a stroke, we can visualize the clot. Then what we'll do is have one of the interventional radiologists go in and actually try to pull the clot out of the artery, restore blood flow to that area of the brain, mm-hmm. and hopefully restore function to the patient. If the patient arrives you know, outside the windows for any of those type of procedures, or if we can't see a clot, at times strokes can happen in the small vessels where you don't only really see the clot itself, a lot of times you, you end up treating it with medicines like aspirin, some other kind of blood thinners called uh, clopidogrel or Plavix. Mm-hmm. Um, if a patient has got an irregular heart rhythm, we may uh, place them on more potent blood thinners to try to prevent stroke. Gotcha. So a lot okay. of times folks who come in with the acute stroke, they may not qualify for the clot-busting medication or the the radiology procedure to pull the clot out. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is, too, is trying to find why did the stroke happen sure. and then trying to prevent, try to mitigate any type of risk factors the patient may have for another event to occur. And so whenever the patient gets admitted to the hospital, 
uh, the neurologists, the internal medicine, family medicine folks were, were trying to find these causes. Is it, is it because of high blood pressure? Is it because of diabetes? Is it, is it because of smoking? Is it, become a, is it because of some type of genetic predisposition to blood clots? Does the patient have an irregular heart rhythm that puts them at a high risk for, for an additional stroke mm-hmm. in the future? And then we put them on different medications to try to mitigate those risks according to whatever we find. Gotcha. The other, thing, the other key thing that we have here is we have very aggressive rehab folks. And so okay. the key part after the stroke has occurred is trying to get um, the, the patient back to a normal life as much as possible. And okay. so we begin the rehab process with physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy in the hospital. And then a lot of times folks will go um, out to a, to a rehab facility for a mm-hmm. couple of weeks. And so, but that has started actually in the hospital itself. Gotcha. I, I had no idea. That's cool. The medications that they're on, are they going to be on those medications pretty much for life? Usually so. Usually gotcha. so, yeah. The, the risk factors are things that we have to to manage lifelong. But there's a lot of things patients can do themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the biggest risk factors for smoke, for, for stroke is smoking. Sure. Uh, which is a, is a bad, ha- it's a horrible habit. It's a hard habit to kick. Um, but a lot of a lot of this, we can put medications to try to lower those risks, but some of it has to come to the patient's uh, compliance, uh, not smoking, eating a heart-healthy diet, mm-hmm. um, watching blood sugar, diabetes, watching uh, blood pressure, following the primary care, making sure uh, that those things are in check. So there's there's things we can do as physicians, but there's things that, that, that patients can do as well to help themselves. Essentially, they have to do their homework. They, they have to do their part. We, we do our part. They have to do their part right. as well. Sure. Yes. Uh, okay, so if there's one more statement that you could say to like really drive the point in uh, about stroke importance and stroke awareness, what would that statement be? Time is brain. Time is brain. Time is brain. And so don't, uh, if you have symptoms, don't wait to see if they're just going to go away. They may, but they may not. And one of the big reasons why we're not able to treat a lot of patients who come in with stroke is because they come in too late gotcha. and they're okay. outside the window for anything to be done. So if you have symptoms, call 911, get to an emergency room, and the options that we have will be a lot greater than if you wait around uh, to see if things will get better on their own. Do not do that. Good to know. Uh, are there any resources that people can look up online? Sure. So uh, American Stroke Association, which is a division of the American Heart Association, so okay. stroke.org is okay. a very good resource. Um, and, and talk to your talk to your primary if you have a history of stroke in the family, you have you know, you know, questions about stroke risk factors. Talk to your primary care physician about it and and get testing done appropriately. Perfect. Uh, stroke.org. I'll put that in the description. So listeners, if you want to try, uh, try and find that, there'll be a link at the bottom for that. This is great. Uh, thank this you so is much. Short, sweet, to the point, but it was all really good information. Very so good. thank Thanks you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for coming in. And this has been another episode of We Talk Health.